102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. The phone numbers. And you know what about the phone numbers? I'm going to actually move this chair over so I can see them. You know, after a couple of years, you would think that I might reposition myself to notice your phone calls. But it was brought to my attention yesterday. Hey, Jeff, how come you never take our calls? And I thought, audience, I can't see them. Maybe that's a problem. So there you go. It's all fixed. That's technology right there. Jeff moves his chair over three feet, and we're ready to go. The phone numbers, you'll need them. I promise. I promise. Okay? I messed it up. Just took two years. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week, I'm at Jeff Ward Show. If you want to post comments on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week, do so. Please don't suck. Make the show better. Get straight to the point. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Download it. We drop it each afternoon. The Jeff Ward Show podcast is available wherever you download your podcasts. Also, check out the YouTube show. We post that every afternoon. Jeff Ward Show on YouTube. Check it out, even though I look like Shrek. In a world of lists, talk shows are always good for lists. ESPN... And I know why they did this, and there's a reason for this. There's context here. ESPN puts out a really interesting list. And you can agree or disagree, and you probably mostly should disagree. That's, you know, that's what it's for. It's not an absolute science. And I'll say this. Um, The reason they put out this list of quarterbacks... And ranking of quarterbacks, which is always, you know, it's what we do over a couple of beers all the time. But the reason for doing it right now is it's the season of guessing on college quarterbacks. It's the time period in which you're trying to figure it all out. And it's a very inexact science trying to project a guy in college going to the NFL. And so I think that's the context here, that... There is the most interest and focus and probably debate on college quarterbacks in any time since I can remember. Does that mean that it's the best college group of quarterbacks of all time? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think we got to go way back in time for that one. But it's, you know, it's the time that franchises are going to find the face of their franchise. It's the time that franchises are going to screw it up and not find the face of their franchise, and it's the time that they're going to bet everything their franchise has on one of these players. So it's a big deal. Teams right now in the NFL, the NFL scouting combine, which won't have very many of these quarterbacks going on, but the scouting combine in Indianapolis, it's a bizarre scene, but it's really become less about going to see players work out than a meeting of the minds for deal-making. I mean, it is arguably the most important couple of weeks of the entire NFL season. This is when deals are made. This is when positions are taken. This is when prospects in the draft are identified. This is when teams find themselves in the draft. It is really, I mean, I would say maybe the most important week of the year. This will define your NFL franchise for the next year. And in some cases, for the next several years. 
So what teams do, you're looking at a quarterback, and it's it's going to be talked about, is talked about, it is fun to a degree, it is almost to the point of being nauseating. Teams are trying to minimize their risk and maximize their reward, and they're picking guys coming out of college who play a college game that is unlike the NFL. It's not at all like the NFL. It's just not. There's a really good piece in an interview with Kurt Warner, the Hall of Fame quarterback who's an analyst for uh, NFL Network. And, you know, he, he itemizes the reason why it's so difficult to identify. People don't like to say this stuff because we live in a world where you want to hear absolutes and everything's black and white. But he identified the reasons why it's so hard to project a college quarterback. It's because they play a different game. They're able to hold on to the ball longer. They run plays that you would never run in the NFL. You know, eight, seven out of 12 games at least, seven out of 14, they're that much better than their opponent, which never happens in the NFL. And as a quarterback in college, you get away with stuff that in the NFL you would never be able to get away with. Remember this, if if you've ever confused about the light years difference between the NFL and college, the worst NFL team, who would that be this year? Would that be the Patriots? Who was the, was it the Bears again? Um, The, no, the Panthers. They suck, right? They're terrible. They're a joke. The worst NFL team beats the best college team by 50 or more points Easily. It's not even close. Not even close. It might be 70 points. The best college team would have no chance against the worst NFL team. So teams are trying to figure out. They're making this bet, this calculated bet. And it really is trying to bet on a guy who doesn't play a game like what you play in the NFL. You just don't. They don't. They, they run around too much. They, you know, this this... As Kurt Warner pointed out, bubble screens, you see those all the time in the college game. Those things would get blown up in a heartbeat in the NFL. So teams are trying to figure out what that guy does well and how that can translate into the NFL. It's the hardest prediction to make on, I would argue, on any position in any, any sport. Because you just, it's, it's light years difference. That's it. So ESPN's list is about judging players. I assume this is on their college career. It's mostly wrong. (laughs) There, there's an opinion. I assume you're going to share the same opinion. It's a list about the best college quarterbacks of the 2000s. Now, let me tell you this. There are two ways, if you ever want to do this list thing, you ever want to argue lists and stuff like that, which is fine, but I think there are two ways to look at, at, at a player. One, you take a look at the player that has the best season, the best individual season, or you can look at the entire career. Those are the two ways, because there is a difference. And when you hear some of this list, particularly the guys from Texas, you're going to notice, well, there's a big difference between the bulk of a career and then a great season or two. They're very different. For example, I'll give you an example, and I've said this for years, and it's, it's hard. As a kid growing up in Austin and... In following Texas football and following Earl Campbell, I never thought I would say there's ever been a better player than Earl Campbell. That's not true. Ricky Williams had the best career of anyone that ever played at Texas. Earl Campbell had some a great season and a half, no doubt. 
Ricky Williams had the best career of anyone that ever played at Texas. Now, most people would say to this day, probably if you ask a thousand, depending on their ages, most people would say, well, Vince Young or Earl Campbell, depending on their ages. And I would argue, no, those guys had great seasons, some of the greatest seasons. And Vince Young made this list. But the career doesn't come close to what Ricky Williams did. And you'll see that with some of these names on this list. So here you go. Start the debate. Have fun. There's no absolute answer. We all think we're right. We think everyone else is wrong. So we'll just do that thing. Uh, ESPN lists, and I think they're doing this because of all the talk about quarterbacks right now. ESPN's list of top 25 quarterbacks of, now you know you're old, the 2000s. The 2000s. Here we go. Number 25 is Jalen Hurts, who at one time played at, o- at Alabama, then finished at Oklahoma. You will notice there are a bunch of Oklahoma quarterbacks on this list. Ask yourself how many championships. In the 2000s, how many championships did Oklahoma win? That would be one. I don't believe any of these guys were able to pull it off. Jalen Hurts at Alabama and then Oklahoma. The great Case Keenum of the Houston Cougars is 24. Don't laugh. Carson Palmer is 23. Phillip Rivers at North Carolina State is at 22. Tua from Alabama is at 21. That's a great career. That's a great season, not a great career. C.J. Stroud of Ohio State is number 20. Bryce Young of Alabama, 19. Andrew Luck of Stanford, 18. Matt Leinert. Of USC 17, Jameis Winston of Florida State 16, Sam Bradford of Oklahoma. That was a great two-year run for Sam Bradford, who was an absolute train wreck as a pro. And that one I would have gotten wrong. That's a guy that I thought by the time he was finished at Oklahoma, that's going to be a great pro, and just the opposite happened. 14 is Kellen Moore of Boise State. 13, the great... Netflix special, Johnny Manziel of Texas A&M, which honestly, I think he's ranked too low. Laugh all you want. Number 12 is Colt McCoy from Texas. Um, there's an example of a great career. Trevor Lawrence is 11 of Clemson. Robert Griffin III of Baylor. I would probably put him higher as a 10. The next nine are Marcus Mariota of Oregon, Lamar Jackson of Louisville, Kyler Murray of Oklahoma slash Texas A&M, Deshaun Watson of Clemson, Joe Burrow at five, huh, of LSU slash Ohio State, Tim Tebow at four, Florida, Vince Young, Texas, three, Cam Newton of Auburn, number two, and they say the best quarterback of the 2000s was Baker Mayfield. No, but probably not out of the top five. Okay, so then you can twist it around and say, okay, Ward, you go first. Um, how, do, how should this look? Yeah, I don't know that I completely agree that Baker Mayfield is, is one, but I think he's in the top five. I probably would put Cam Newton at one. Um, Vince Young was the example of a great season and a half. So take a look at this. The best careers of the quarterbacks of the 2000s. Okay, this is playing, this is more than a season or two, okay, would be Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was arguably a horrible pro that couldn't play at all. But Tim Tebow was arguably had the best career of any player to ever play the game. Career. 
at Florida. It's ridiculous. Tim Tebow. Then I would say Deshaun Watson. Then I would say Baker Mayfield. Um, and his career, I don't know. I might probably say Matt Leinert. It's a pretty ridiculous run that Matt Leinert was on at USC. He's a foot away from winning a third national championship at USC, which would be, you know, we would view him completely differently. But I would say that's a fair assessment of the top five. Cole McCoy's probably not out of it by far. Not by far. I mean, you could easily argue he should be in the top five, but he's not past probably number seven. That's best career of the 2000s. The best season of the 2000s, and I think it almost goes in order, would be Joe Burrow at LSU. That final year he had at LSU, granted he had a ton of talent around him, was was ridiculous. I mean, it was, just, it was ridiculous. It's the best season a quarterback has ever had. Number two would be Vince Young. And that Texas team that won the championship that year, arguably, they're on a short list, if you want to argue. They're on a short list of teams, the best season a team has ever had. Remember, they scored 70 points in the Big 12 championship game. So Vince Young's season is among the best. Johnny Manziel's season among the very best. He carried an entire team. He built an entire section of the stadium. He made everyone rich, and he's still a goofball. And then probably Cam Newton after that. There's a bunch on there you could argue a few different ways. I don't think mine's that far off. There it is. It'll be a conversation for the next two or three days. The list is out there. ESPN put it out. The top 25 quarterbacks of the 2000s. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Better like that kid. I believe he's still walking around with the Austin FC flag that was handed to him the other night at the game. So uh, <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to let go of it. Well, here you go, students. We, we, we can be students for a few minutes. Okay, now close your laptops. Uh, please don't nap. Pick your head up in a lecture hall. We've got we've to discuss this. You can be a student for a few minutes. Then you have to just be a normal consumer that has an opinion uh, one way or another. Oh, boy. Okay, so let me, if you hear me use the term line extension, it's an old marketing term, probably page 36 on your textbook, standard textbook. Line extension, when I say it, it's, it's, it's exactly what you would think. But line extension is creating, creating more use of the product and then communicating more use of the product. For example, I would just, just say this is a classic example, and it's, and it's smart. I mean, sometimes line extension is smart. It, it helps a business sort of offset those dips and valleys of seasonal products and things like that. Is anyone getting bored yet? It's going to get better, I promise. It's going to get better. But famous line extension strategy was uh, several years ago when uh, Gatorade was... You know, launched an entire ad campaign, a successful ad campaign, by the way, during cold and flu season. What do you want to do in cold and flu season? What is it your doctor's going to say to you all the time? What does everybody know? Stay hydrated. So they, they really extended, see what I'm saying? Extended the product for another use. They didn't reinvent the product. You're extending the use of the product and communicating it. 
All right. So here we go. Kellogg's, as of the last 24 hours, there's one slight problem. No, there's several problems with this. You might find nothing but problems with this. I would say this will be a classic example of the CEO stepping all over the launch of something. One, are you offended by what Kellogg's is doing? Do you think it's an effective students? Do you think it's an effective strategy? Do you think it's a good idea? Point blank. Just asking the question. Do you, are you offended by it? Then if you want to judge the ad itself, do you find the ad stupid, silly, creepy, ineffective, very effective. How would, you, how would you rate the ad strategy of this? So before we even get to the CEO, in a classic example of learn to shut thy face, learn to shut thy face, America. Just shut up. <laughs> uh, I got to say, I think the ad's terrible. But I don't know, to be honest... I don't know of a more effective way to go about telling you and your family to eat cereal for dinner. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Chicken. You can uh, have the night off, chicken. Oh, okay. I'll go marinate. Cereal. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Wait, what? Yeah, that's it. Dad is kind of in the doorway of the kitchen. Kids are at the table. Mom's at the table, which, of course, is unlike any house I know of, but whatever. And Dad, there you go. They got a cereal box. Is that... What is that? What, what cereal is it? Frosted Flakes, Frosted flakes Fruit Loops, and Mini Wheats. Frosted Mini. We're getting a lot of frost because Americans need more sugar. Um, okay, in the middle of the table are those three boxes of cereal. Let's do it again. You now get the idea, right? You do get the idea. Dad's yelling out, what a great night this is going to be. Three boxes of cereal in the middle of the table. When I say cereal, you say dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Chicken. You can uh, have the night off, chicken. Oh, okay, I'll go marinate. Cereal. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Is that Tony the Tiger's voice? Okay, so Tony the Tiger is yelling at the kids. Um, oof. All right. Well, you get the idea, don't you? I, mean, I think it's pretty clear what the, what the plan is. We're extending. Got it? Line extension. You would get this right on the first multiple choice test or the Scantron one. Don't cheat in my class either, by the way. Don't look over, don't look over there. Um, you know, they were cereal for dinner. This is not an accident. I promise you it's not an accident. It's not somebody just felt like doing it one day. Nobody, you know, you fail the class if you do feelings. You're backed up by data, and I suspect the data says two, obviously the data is saying two things. One, why not? Two, it's less expensive. And that's true. Any good decision is going to be made on the economic environment. Okay? Um... You, you don't make a decision otherwise. And the economic environment is pretty tough because stuff, stuff costs more. Why not eat cereal for dinner? Some of us eat peanut butter and jelly for dinner, so why not? It's less expensive. But they don't say that, do they? It's implied, I think. It's an alternative, I think. It is a, it's telling you, hey, look, here's the cheapest dinner you can have. 
but they're not saying it. So then <laughs> the CEO does say it. The CEO of Kellogg, which is usually not a stupid person. This is not some, you know, some loser that came in off the street and said, hey, I can, I, I know cereal. You can't be a total goofball and be the CEO of Kellogg. But did he just ruin everything? I think you could argue you might have. Not a good plan. Whoever is in charge of public relations, you need to be drinking right now because the boss just screwed everything up. According to CNN, um, CEO, Kellogg CEO, Gary Pilnick. <laughs> this is on the heels, of course, of the ad campaign. Let's play the ad one more time so everybody gets it. Tony the Tiger's voice. When I say cereal, you say dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Chicken. You can uh, have the night off, chicken. Oh, okay, I'll go marinate. Cereal. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Okay, man. You know the chicken part. Really? I mean, you need to do that? that? That was weird. All right, so what does the CEO do? He goes on CNBC. This is the CEO of Kellogg, Gary Pelnick. He said the company is advertising cereal for dinner to consumers looking for more affordable options. Is that, are you offended by that? And I'm not kidding. Are you offended by that? I mean, is it really so awful? I'm going to, I mean, let me defend him a little bit here. I mean, what do you want him to do? Don't eat the cereal? That's his job. He's extending the brand. He is providing you an option. He is telling you, listen, I'm not, they're not pretending at no point did they say that it's broccoli. And don't start this stuff about how badly we eat. What do you mean? We're fat. We're a fat country that eats horribly. Are you going to accuse Kellogg of taking advantage of us, of tricking us? I'm pretty sure Americans were getting fat with or without Kellogg. But... Is it wrong? I mean, he's just saying, if you can't afford the other stuff, why don't you just eat this? Chicken's expensive. They're clearly... <laughs> I mean, I would love to read the report, and I would love to be sitting in the conference room. I would love to hear this pitch. Boss, here's a graph of the cost of chicken. If we can get Americans, if we can take 4% of the chicken market, chicken consumption away from that... And shift to cereal. We're gonna, you know, improve our bottom line in in Q3 by, you know, whatever. I'm sorry. What are we doing? We got Tony the Tiger is selling now against chicken. That's right, boss. That's exactly what we're doing. We're going to take on the chicken head on because chicken is expensive. So all that is fine, right? Until he says. Now this is where the blowback started. I kind of agree. I don't think you need to come out and say, you guys don't have enough money, eat cereal, okay? I, don't, I think you probably could have left it as implied. So um, he says, give chicken the night off. He's doing all this stuff. He's trotting it out there. Um, he says, look, the cereal category has always been affordable. It tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. Okay, stop there. Is that offensive? 
That's exactly what his company, you know, this is what I would tell people. Listen, if your company is going to take a position, own it. Stick your face in front of it and own it. If you don't have the guts to own it, don't get in the business. So the dude is owning it. Hey, you're strapped. Eat cereal. Okay. He's out there. Um, okay, now 26 groceries, of course, are 26% more expensive. There are several reasons for that. Many of them you'll hate me for, but part of that is that idiot Donald Trump who decided to put tariffs on products. That didn't help, but that's not the only reason. And so then he said he gets pushback from the CNBC interviewer who says, wait, are you encouraging customers to eat cereal for dinner um, that that could, quote, land the wrong way? His answer, no, it's landing really well right now. Cereal for dinner is something that is probably more on trend now, and we would expect to continue as the consumer is under pressure. Consumers spend 11.3% of their disposable income on food, the highest level since 1991. Now, where I come from in a class, you would study that data and you would say, let's take it on. Here's an opportunity. Stick the cereal in the middle of the table. CEO, get out there and say, no chicken. If you're strapped for cash, eat some frosted whatever tonight. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show podcast or the aliens are going to come and get you. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. Shut up, smoker voice. Let that kid talk. Uh, some of the tweets or X's or whatever we call it this particular week. By the way, it is at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to get overwhelmed with my cereal conversation. So, yeah, it happened. There was cereal discussion on the show, and it should have been. I think it's interesting. At Michael two zero zero six six eight says. Johnny Manziel was also the beer bong champion two years running. Well, he would have been. He should do curling. He should. At arm STRDJ. No Patrick Mahomes on the list. This is about the ESPN list of the best quarterbacks, college quarterbacks of the 2000s. And Patrick Mahomes was not on the list. And he shouldn't have been. I'm sorry. He shouldn't have been. I'm not even sure he'd make the best list of the Big 12 quarterbacks. Uh, He says, no Patrick Mahomes on the list has to be because of Cliff Kingsbury and not on the list. Do you think Mahomes makes the list under Leach? Ooh, good point. Very well thought out. I think so. Yeah, probably. You'd have one of those, you know, 6,000-yard seasons. Yeah, he probably does. But you know, one thing about the Leach, Mike Leach's time at Texas Tech was, you know, he kept spitting out these guys, putting out insane numbers including Cliff Kingsbury, by the way. And so it was almost used against those guys that you'd say, well, so what? He's a system guy. Yeah, they're going to pass for 6,000 yards. So I don't know. It would have been interesting. Patrick Mahomes under Mike Leach would be pretty epic, no doubt. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.